0: I'm just throwing You're spoilers. Really throwing I'm spoilers just throwing spoilers out, out left and right, but it's a common trend that I think I like because you get then the revenge.
1: Wives being killed—that's bad.
0: Well, then you get the re- <laughs> <Just> kidding <laughs> Again, folks, these are not things that I'm trying to project into my own life. These are just things I like in my literature. But it, if somehow you end up murdered, this is now everybody look, knows. This, this is, is going to look real. This bad. is going to be real bad <laughs> when they play this episode in court. <laughs> <sighs> Good time. Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're sharing our favorite bookish romances and romance novels. I'm Curtis.
1: And I'm Chelsea. Here at He Read She Read, we love talking about all things bookish, bookstores, bookworm problems, and of course, reading recommendations. We publish bi-weekly episodes on the second and fourth weeks of each month, and sometimes one of those is a book discussion. In March, we'll discuss The Duchess Deal, a steamy historical romance full of humor and Shakespeare references by Tessa Dare. Make sure you're following us on Instagram for Buddy Read News and other announcements at he Read, She Read.
0: You can also find a list of all the books we mentioned in today's episode at hereadsheread.org. If you're enjoying He Read, She Read, please take a few minutes to write a review on Apple Podcasts. We know you hear this from podcasters all the time, but it really does make a big difference and helps more people find the show. You could also send a link to a friend and share your favorite episode of He Read, She Read with them or post on social media and tag us so that we can see it. All of these things help our fellow bookworms build their TBR lists and keep the podcast going.
1: Curtis, we've done a couple of episodes on bookstore dates and recommendations and ideas to sort of spice that up a little bit, and today we're going to talk about something adjacent to that. You purchased a record player for me for Christmas. I did. Thinking that it would be fun for us to browse for records together. A lot of the used bookstores that we go to also have used vinyl. So it's just kind of a fun addition to our usual bookstore date.
0: So this is sort of a spice up on our other spice up for, (laughs) you know, talking about going on bookstore dates.
1: Spice up your spicy bookstore dates.
0: (laughs) That's catchy. I like that. But it's true. Like we will go to bookstores and everybody seems to be expanding and adding vinyl or other things because it's kind of the second wave. Like people are coming and making new records, but it's fun to go and find some used things. So I like the one that we have. It's nice to try something new and put on while we're cleaning the house or washing dishes. It's a little bit different than just playing stuff on your phone.
1: Yeah. it. I mean, obviously it's got a different sound, but I think the fun of the hunt is a big part of it. You're um, collector like personality wise you obviously collect books we revealed how many books you own and how many are unread on instagram recently um you're a book collector for sure um i i like to collect uh ideas like i don't like stuff very much but i am drawn to old things and uh sort of uh, yeah i guess I don't have like a specific collection, but I'm I'm drawn to collecting old stuff for our house. Mm-hmm. Vinyls just fit into that vibe really well.
0: Right. And if you like certain aspects about hunting for used books, it's a easy transition if you like music to get a little record player. And they're not that expensive. Like the one that I got was decently priced, but it was around Christmas time. So if you like music and you like the hunt for old music, I think it's something that we should recommend to people.
1: Yeah, um, or some people might already do this. We might not be sharing anything new, but to make a date out of it, I think, is just the fun part. So I think that that fits within our bookishness just because of the collection aspect, the browsing aspect of part of the fun to sort of share, hey, here, look what I found. Mm -hmm. And then... For me, and I guess for our personalities, we really like antiques and shopping for old stuff. So it just fits really well within that general vibe.
0: Mm -hmm. It's been fun so far. Nice way to have an addition for when we're going out on dates.
1: Definitely. And it's really inexpensive. A lot of these record shops, you can get like 99 cent records. So it's not an expensive date by any means. Mm -hmm. Okay, uh, let's move on to our book reviews. I'm really excited to hear what you'd like to review this week.
0: So this week I am talking about Iron Gold by Pierce Brown. And I think I've mentioned the Red Rising books on the show previously. Um, We had listened to the first one on a road trip. Um, It's kind of dystopian future sci-fi. Red Rising, the first one, is still one of my favorite books of the last couple of years. So this is actually the fourth book in the series and the start of a new trilogy by Pierce Brown. And originally, I wasn't sure how I was going to like it. People have seen how I feel about like things that start over with new trilogies when I feel like they don't need to. Cough, cough, Star Wars, cough, cough. Um, <laughs> but I felt like Morningstar was a perfect ending to his original trilogy, and I loved that so much and felt like it was tight and cleaned up, and I liked it. Um, so he goes in a completely different direction with... This book and then the following book, Dark Age, which I also have uh, thanks to our friends at Random House, but I haven't gotten a chance to get around to that one yet because they're huge. But the trend is is instead of just having the single point of view character of Darrow, who's the hero of the first trilogy, um, who is the Reaper and brought down the whole society based on the color coded systems... Uh, Now there's multiple points of view, uh, different characters from different social classes. There's a smuggler slash thief.
1: Your favorite.
0: Well, and also there's heists. I love heists. So uh, there's that. Um, One of the side characters uh, that they grew up with is raising um, the grandson of the sovereign that they overthrew. So that's an interesting, like, out in the boondocks of space, um, coming-of-age part of the story that I like. And then there's a random, like, lowborn girl that I, like, I won't spoil too much of it, but that storyline kind of fell a little flat for me. And then you also get Darrow on top of that. So there's four point-of-view characters. I don't have a problem with a lot of of point-of-view characters because I come from the Game of Thrones style where I really like that. I just, I think he took something that was very good that I liked with the first trilogy and it's still hard to get excited about the new stuff about the new trilogy so overall i like the story i think the characters are still strong and i love pierce brown's writing style it's just different uh when you enjoyed how much it was wrapped up with the first trilogy if that makes sense
1: so worth reading you'll go on to the next one i definitely
0: will read the next one um i think he's just so talented in the fantasy genre um, and I also enjoy that he goes on his own Goodreads pages and reviews his own books.
1: Also, he is very cute.
0: Yeah. Do you want to know what he said about his book? Sure. Uh, he called it uh, scintillating. Just scintillating. This author seems to really understand the way my clock ticks. <laughs> if you know what I mean, boy. Oh. <laughs> so he's he's got a sense of humor. Yes. Um, yeah, would recommend. If you haven't read the first three Red Rising books, like go after those first, obviously. But if you're along for the ride on that one, I feel like if you have an author that you like, you're just going to keep going. There's just certain aspects of it that not were my favorite.
1: So do you think you would prefer if he had just started an entirely new fantasy series? I think
0: so. Um, like most of my fantasy authors that I really like, it's either they're still writing their books, like George... So there isn't like the ending. This one felt like there was a clear ending with the first three books. And then now it's just like starting over, Um, which, you know, I can't blame him for it's a successful franchise. So when there's a clear and defined ending, it's different than like a series that just continues.
1: Yeah. I think it is partly the franchise aspect, but also I think sometimes authors when they do spend all of that time world building it's hard for them to get out of that, too, because they have other ideas within that world Mm -hmm. that they want to explore. Yeah. So uh, Red Rising has been on my to-be-read list for a while. I tried listening to the audio with you, but I kept falling asleep Mm -hmm. because it was long car rides. Yeah. So I I don't think that's reflective of the book or the audiobook necessarily. That's just me. (laughs) Um, I don't think I'll read it on audio, though, I have the first three mm-hmm. on my shelf, but I can't see myself reading past the third book.
0: And then there's a big difference in the size and scope in the fourth and fifth. That's like, a big reason. It probably doubles in size from the first three. No, with, thank you. Which were manageable.
1: Yeah, no thanks. So I'll maybe, maybe I'll pick those up you over know. summer. They yeah. feel like it, that feels like a good summer series to me. I yeah. would agree. So the book that I would like to review today is Long Bright River by Liz Moore. This one I feel like has been all over bookstagram and has gotten a lot of hype in the book world. It's got a really compelling cover. I think that's part of it. And I believe that the publishing house is uh, River House and they just do a really great job with their books. But anyway, Long Bright River is a police procedural and it's a mystery, but it's also a story about a family. I would recommend this to fans of Tana French, I think. okay, um, It's got... So with Tana French's books, you get a really compelling mystery element, but you get a lot of the main detective and their character and their personality and what's going on in their like life outside of work. So I definitely think that sort of echoes Tana French, and Tana French also deals with a lot of like really important cultural contemporary issues in her books. So Long Bright River deals with themes of addiction and family, right versus wrong, and the blurry lines of duty versus justice, especially within the police department in Philadelphia. So Mickey, the main character, is a police officer, and her sister works the streets on her beat. So her sister is battling addiction and poverty and then young women are murdered in Mickey's district and she hasn't heard from her sister in a long time. She hasn't seen her in a long time. So she's really worried that her sister is going to be one of these women that end up murdered. Mm. So she goes to these really great lengths to find out what's happening to protect her sister. I listened to this on audio. I believe I got it from the library And it was excellent. I like listening to mysteries on audio, especially if they're procedurals, not thrillers, and if they're not too gory. And this one was really good for me on audio. And I think you would like it too, Curtis, because you liked a ton of French's books a lot, and Mm -hmm. you tend to like mysteries with really strong characters. Agreed. I think this is a standalone. I can't imagine a series continuing. It's not the sort of situation where you've got other plot lines that could pan out into other series, or um, like you don't have a duo like Cormoran Strike and Robin Ellicott, uh, so it was just a solid, good mystery. A lot of people have been describing this as a literary mystery, and I guess, kind of, yes, I would say it's more literary than other mysteries, but. It's the writing, that doesn't mean that the writing is flowery by any means. It's very straightforward prose.
0: Okay. I like the correlation with the Tana French books. That's a popular reference where people can align if they decide that that's something that they want to check out.
1: Yeah, I definitely agree. All right. So for recommendations this week, we are focusing on romance, partly because it is... February, so we've got Valentine's Day coming up, which is not a holiday that I always enjoyed. Like just because it seems so arbitrary, but the older I get, the more I'm like okay with celebrating it.
0: Yeah, I mean, when we were coming up in the dating world, I would always give you flowers on February fifteenth as just a, to be
1: different, as a
0: clear <laughs> you know hallmark holiday protest, but. I would agree. Like, it's, as we're getting older, it's kind of nice just to celebrate it.
1: Yeah, like, any, why not just take any excuse to do whatever you want on that day? It doesn't necessarily have to be a celebration of romantic love. Right. But uh, when I was growing up, my dad would always make heart-shaped homemade pizzas for Valentine's Day. Cute. So I just think, like, anything like that is really sweet and cute and i'm not going to read on anybody's parade so we're going to celebrate romance but this is also because we really are going out on a limb with our buddy read for february and march we're reading the duchess steel by tessa dare which is one of my favorite books
0: right and i don't typically read romance novels surprise surprise for our dedicated listeners (laughs) and you know, it was kind of a discussion being like, since I don't read romance novels, what contributions were we going to talk about this episode? But, you know, there's romantic storylines in some of the books that I read on mostly in the fantasy realm. Um, so once I thought about that for two seconds, when you brought that up, it was pretty easy. So I won't have any romance novels, but I'll just talk about my favorite romantic storylines in books that I like.
1: Well, don't worry. I've got the romance novels for us. Yeah, that's
0: what you bring to the table here. (laughs)
1: Uh, I think we should probably share back and forth.
0: Of course. So uh, you want me to lead off? Yeah, go ahead. This won't get too in-depth because we've talked about this book so many times and how much we love it, but it's uh, the story of Patroclus and Achilles from The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. One thing, it was my favorite book of 2019. I was confident in saying that for the show. And the aspects of The Coming of Age, the aspects of myth, the romantic love between the two of them is something that I hadn't found in a lot of books that I was reading and that I really took away and enjoyed uh, from that one. It's just a great story between the two of them where you can clearly see how much they care about each other and then how, what the aspects of their flaws that drive them apart i think that's a common theme that i have in a lot of my romance and romantic relationships in the books that i like is that there's flawed characters and there's wedges and either they overcome it or they don't so that's the will they or won't they type that i kind of like in our romantic stories
1: but if they don't overcome it then is it really a romance
0: i think so because there's romantic elements to it and they love each other but then there's things that drive them apart I like that though. I I like that type of conflict in my romance.
1: Fortunately, not in real life.
0: No, (laughs) that's not a projection.
1: But But yeah, that's the thing. You can read a romance and get complete enjoyment out of it, and not necessarily like want that for yourself. No, that's a big discussion with romance novels, like in the like true romance novel community. Of it's fantasy you can read it and enjoy it and it doesn't mean that you're expecting someone to literally sweep you off of your feet onto the back of a horse and ride off to a castle in the sunset
0: right so if i read about conflict and things that drive wedges in relationships it's not necessarily <laughs> that i want something to drive a wedge between our relationship right <laughs> just to put the listenership but at it's, ease
1: but it's entertaining to read that if there's yes. nothing for characters to overcome together then it's boring
0: Right. And I just didn't like that conflict aspect. So that's why I like the Patroclus and Achilles story because there's a lot of pride, there's a lot of, you know, ambition and duty that wants to take them apart. And then the things that keep bringing them back together.
1: So I'm going to focus on romance novels. And the thing about romance novels, unlike your books where you're saying you appreciate a romantic element, but it doesn't necessarily have to equal them being together in the end. With a romance novel, the rule is it's not a romance unless it ends in a happily ever after H E A or happily or happy for now H F N. So it needs to have an H E A or an H F N for it to be classified as a romance novel. Okay. So That's what I'm sharing.
0: I'm learning things already. I love it.
1: Yes. So I thought I would just talk about our buddy read a little bit. The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. This is part of the Girl Meets Duke series. And this, again, is our buddy read for February and March. This is one of my personal favorite romance novels. Tessa Dare is my favorite romance author. This is a series, very rare, but this is a series that I have reread because the audiobooks are just like really comforting to me and it's nice to know the story and know how everything will turn out in the end so premise of this one the duke of ashbury he is a curmudgeon he is a war veteran and he has literal physical scars from the war but also um just a lot of inner wounds that have yet to be healed And so he's just really bristly, but he is a duke. And so he needs a wife because the only way for his line to continue is to bear children. And this is the Regency era. So he needs a wife in order to do that.
0: Oh, I love the curmudgeon that needs a wife tale.
1: Yes. Well, Emma Gladstone shows up on his doorstep in a wedding gown, literally after he's telling himself, I really need to get a wife. And what's then she's there in a poofy white dress. What's
0: the relation to Joey? Huh? Joey Gladstone.
1: Oh ha, ha ha So she shows up on his doorstep in a wedding gown. Turns out he was engaged but they broke the engagement. Well Emma is a seamstress and she made the wedding dress, but she didn't get paid because the engagement was broken and she needs the money. So she runs over to his house in the wedding dress and is like, Hey, pay me for this. And he's like, hmm, better idea. Marry me. <laughs> <laughs> and shenanigans ensue. Okay. As one does. Yes. And uh, the dialogue is really witty and hilarious. Ash, that's the Duke of Ashbury's nickname. Oh, of course. He speaks very Shakespearean, which I think comes across hilariously. Tessa Dare, uh, she was, a, I forget if she taught English. She knows a lot of Shakespeare. I think she was she studied Shakespeare in some capacity. So it's just really fun. And I'm really excited for you to read it, not just because it's one of my favorite books and it's different for you to read a romance, but also because I genuinely think you're going to actually really enjoy it. Just like Lady Hardcastle, where you were like, why would I want to read Or listen to a book about these two fancy English ladies running around the countryside and then you ended up laughing all the time
0: (laughs) okay the next relationship that I'm going to talk about is from one of my favorite book series the Ryria Revelations by Michael J. Sullivan Uh, and it's Gwen Delancey and Royce Melbourne so Royce is one of the Two main characters with Hadrian Blackwater uh, that make up the dynamic duo of the, he's the assassin and then Hadrian's the mercenary and then they both become thieves throughout the story.
1: As you do. Yeah, as one
0: does. Um, So he's half human, half elf as it comes out later in the series. So he's kind of always been an outsider and disconnected with people because he's been raised as an assassin. So doesn't really have connections with people. And that's part of like the running evolution of his character throughout the stories is he gets more connection to Hadrian and than, than other people, and then gets closer to Gwen, who ultimately becomes his fiance, um, mother of his unknown daughter. That is a spoiler in the last minute in the third book in the trilogy, or sixth of six, however you want to determine it, but at the end of the original run of the series. And uh, that was after she had been murdered.
1: Wait, so you're giving spoilers right now?
0: Yeah. books have been out for like seven years, folks.
1: Yeah, but what if you've recommended them several times? What if people want to read them?
0: don't. I, I don't think this needs to be spoiler-free.
1: Okay. You're the expert. I defer to you on this one. We'll see. If there's an outcry, they know who to blame.
0: I mean, I've talked about Theft of Swords for over a year on this show, so if people were going to check it out, they were going to check it out by this point. But so it's kind of the similar aspects with like the patroclus and achilles where i enjoy the conflict in flawed characters especially if there's like not necessarily an unrequited love but somebody who projects this image out to the world and then also has a soft side so
1: Hmm, doesn't sound like anybody i know oh come on (laughs) (laughs) no everybody knows about your soft side
0: (laughs) yeah People are well aware, but it's the same thing for like my thriller, like CIA assassin books that I like. So, Mitch Rapp uh, by Vince Flynn. Um, one of the better arcs in that series was uh, when he got married and she tamed him a little bit, but then she also got killed. I'm just throwing, You're spoilers. Really throwing spoilers. I'm just throwing spoilers out everywhere. left and right. But it's a common trend that I think I like because you get then the revenge wives
1: being killed. That's bad.
0: Well, then you get the revenge. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Again, folks, these are not things that I'm trying to project into my own life. These are just things I like in my literature. But it, if somehow you end up murdered, this is going to this this is is is, look real this bad. This is going to be real bad <laughs> when they play
1: this episode in court.
0: <laughs> <sighs> Good times. But then there's like the, the anguish. I really like that because it shows the multidimensional part of the character where they th- have... They project this front, but then they also feel these immense feelings. Again, it reminds you of no one that you know. No, but, but
1: also you're describing every Duke, Earl, and Marquis in all the historical romances that I read. Like, yeah. I don't know why you don't read those books, because it's exactly what you're describing. Okay. Some of them are more angsty than others. Yeah.
0: These are probably going to be similar. You got, C- you got CIA assassins in those books that you like?
1: There are some assassins. All right,
0: then. So. Spies. Commonalities. So... I think this is going to lead into an interesting conversation.
1: Definitely. But, but. So with Royce and Gwen, He's. what is it about their personalities that brings them together? Like, well, he... what's, what's swoon-worthy about the romance? I know that you're talking about, like, oh, the heartbreak and the bad times. But to me, I need to swoon a little bit. Like, what's swoon-worthy about them together?
0: They're not swoon-worthy. That's not what I'm looking for. Oh. Like, in the prequels, um, she is a prostitute, so...
1: Also a trend in your books.
0: <laughs> I don't think that was one of the other ones that I was talking about. No. Oh, but that was in the Tom Clancy one. Yes. Yeah, okay, yep, 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 okay. So there's that aspect of he's trying to protect her, but then she ends up protecting him and doing all these things that help kind of make him more of a human and more pleasant. And then I also like the aspect of... Because they have a romantic relationship, but she kind of works with his partner, Hadrian, and they have an interesting friend dynamic to try to make him better. So, I like all those things. Gotcha. I'm sorry it's not swoon-worthy, but that's not what I'm looking for.
1: I know. I like to swoon a little bit.
0: If I'm swooning, I'm going after Jamie in Outlander.
1: That is for sure swoon-worthy. Yeah,
0: but it's different than what I'm looking for.
1: All right, so my next pick here is A Princess in Theory by Alyssa Cole. And Alyssa Cole is probably tied for my favorite romance author with Tessa Dare. I have other romance authors that I really like, but these two, like, I will read anything that they write. And Alyssa Cole is just truly a genius. So A Princess in Theory is about Naledi, and she is a biology grad student, and she's too busy for romance. But Prince the Biso tracks down his missing betrothed who fled the country when she was just a baby, <laughs> and it turns out that it's Nalady. and of course they get together. And it's just super fun. I love the woman in STEM theme, and... Their romance is definitely swoon-worthy. Um, sh- it's definitely... Like, uh... It's definitely... She be- thinks, basically thinks that he's out of his mind because she's just a normal, down-to-earth grad student. What the heck is this literal prince doing coming up and telling me that we're betrothed to be married? In the 21st century? What? But it turns out that it's true. Um, and there's this really great plot line that I can't spoil, but I just love how the book ends. And this is the first in Alyssa Cole's Reluctant Royal series. I really like the next book in the series, too. I have yet to complete the rest of them, but A Princess in Theory is just super cute, and I like it a lot. So it's contemporary, so if you like the aspect of historicals of like the uh commoner plus royal kind of trope but you want to read a contemporary novel this is a really good one to go with this is one that i recommend to my friends who just want to get into romance for the first time this is usually the first thing that i recommend or if friends who like historical romance want to try a contemporary i usually suggest a princess in theory I've been listening to audiobooks a lot lately, walking Penny, driving across town while I'm accomplishing some menial tasks for work, basically whenever I can listen. Libro.fm is my audiobook subscription of choice because as I listen to my books, I know that I'm supporting local bookstores. Libro.fm lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite indie bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including new releases, current bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro.fm, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as Audible, but you get to be part of a much different story, one that supports community. To get started, all you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. If you already love audiobooks and don't know what to listen to next, you can check out recommendations and curated lists from the people who know audiobooks best vocal booksellers. Listeners of He Read, She Read can get a three month audiobook membership for the price of one month. That's three audiobook credits for the price of one. And once again, have to reiterate, it's the same price as Audible. Exactly the same price, exactly the same number of credits that you get, but with a better mission. We've made the switch to Libro.fm and hope you will too. Go to Libro.fm, that is L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter the promo code H-R-S-R, or you can go through the link in our show notes. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting your local bookstore. Okay, Curtis, what is your... Ro- other romance that you want to share?
0: So my last one is from one of my other favorite fantasy authors. Uh, the book is *The Republic of Thieves* by Scott Lynch, and it's from his *Gentleman Bastards* series. Uh, and the romance is between the main character Locke Lamora and Sabitha, who is a previously talked about but not featured character in his previous two books in the series. So this is a third book, new character introduction. She kind of casts this shadow overlock for the first two books where he's still really in love with her, doesn't get re- into relationships with other women even though there's opportunities because he's still thinking about her and she's in the back of it. And we discover in this book that there's flashbacks to when they were kids coming up on the streets and learning how to be thieves.
1: This sounds swoon-worthy.
0: This one's a little bit more. Um, and you'll, you would love Sabitha because she's an actor. So part of this central component of this book is they're putting on a play.
1: Um, I do like that.
0: Yeah. Um, So she's very good at, well, obviously because they're thieves, she's a very good actress. She's smart. She always gets the upper hand over Locke, which is a shift from the previous books because we're used to Locke having like the mental upper hand over a lot of people. So Sabitha is like this, ideal person to be his match but also his greatest weakness and somebody that can bring him down so that's the kind of dueling back and forth is they're competing against each other for um, this contract so they're adversaries but then they also still love each other and then we also get their backstory as they're coming up as kids and he's just like hopelessly in love with her uh Yeah, so that's what I really liked about it is it's he has such a blind spot and we've grown to love him over the first two books that it's interesting to see him meet his match intellectually with somebody who's smart and can like essentially like give him his Kermuppins.
1: Did you say Kermuppins? Is that the right thing? It's... <laughs>
0: Is that not the right thing?
1: It's comeuppance. What did I say? (laughs) Germuppance. Made up of words.
0: I've I've literally always said (laughs) germuppance. I don't think it's that funny.
1: I think it's hilarious. It's comeuppance.
0: How do you spell that? (laughs) Come. Uppance?
1: Uppance.
0: Here. Okay, what did I say?
1: Ker-muppins.
0: That's what I've always said. I can't believe this has not come up in our ten years of knowing each other.
1: Look, I've heard you say it before, but I think that I never really believed that that's really what you were saying.
0: <laughs> I know how I know what it means, I just didn't know how to spell I it.
1: <laughs> anyway, you were saying... That no. he gets his curve up. No,
0: I'm do- I'm done. <laughs> okay. I don't need to say anything more about it.
1: I it that makes me want to read it. I've never wanted to pick up your high fantasy books before, but that make, kind of makes me want to read it.
0: You know what? That might be a good one for us to read after I read a fantasy or a uh, romance novel. That's true. Like we talked about, maybe me uh, you reading one of my.
1: Tom Clancy's, Tom Clancy's or Vince Flynn's,
0: but this might be a better option.
1: Maybe. You get to decide, so whatever you feel like making me read. My last book here, and then I have two other author recommendations, but my last romance that I really like to recommend to people is, well, this is the first in a series, but you don't have to read them in order. Eva Lee is one of my other favorite romance authors, and she writes this really great series called The Wicked Quills of London. And each heroine in those books is a writer. So in this first one, the heroine writes for a gossip column. Um, In another one, she's a playwright. And in another one, she writes like erotic novels or something like that. I really like that one because the one who writes erotic novels ends up marrying a preacher. That's really fun. So, this is the first one Forever Your Earl. Eleanor Hawke writes a gossip column, and the Earl of Ashford is her favorite topic because he's a party boy. And then one day he shows up at her office and he's like, Hey, attend all these society things with me and like report from the inside. And she can't say no because that's so great for her career, but it's kind of a keep your enemies close situation because he has secrets that he doesn't want her to find out. So if he's distracting her with parties and sort of telling her what to write about, then there's less of a chance that she'll dig deeper into his past. So super great. And like Tessa Dare, where I really like the dialogue, and I just think that's another great author to keep your eye on if you enjoy historical so two other authors that i would recommend courtney milan i have read unraveled and really liked that by her but i've heard that her brother's sinister series is really really good her romances are a little bit darker and they often have to do with like class and sort of crossing class lines with the relationships and then beverly jenkins she's like romance icon and i've read rebel really liked that but i would like to read indigo and tempest by her so those are two other authors that i haven't read as much of their work as the previous three but i highly recommend that you check them out
0: okay that was a fun talk
1: i'm just so excited for you to read the duchess steel
0: i was more excited that you just freaked out about my made-up words
1: I love it. I know it's not the first time that I've heard you say it. It's just the first time that I decided to actually ask wait, what are you? What is that? <laughs> <laughs> I thoroughly enjoyed it.
0: All right. So we'll talk about some recommendations for the week. Uh, I'll lead off with the, the Outsider, which is a new show on HBO based on a Stephen King book of the same name. Which I think I talked about last year when it came out. It was one of my favorite books of whatever month I read it. Great story, excellent thriller, back and forth. You're not really sure how it's going to end, and the show is very well done. Uh, Jason Bateman is one of the main characters, and then also is director for the first couple episodes, and it's so far so good. Great ride. It's a, a close adaptation. They're following. I don't think I haven't noticed any major detractions. So I think they did the smart thing and just got a good story and ran with it.
1: How many episodes is it?
0: I think it's 10 episodes. We're f- three or four in at this point. So if people have HBO, I, like I feel a little bad making a recommendation for something that I'm not sure people will be able to like at that. Everyone will be able Cause to
1: it's see sub- like a subscription, not just right. like Netflix.
0: But it's literary based um, and yeah. something that we've talked about on the show before and that i'm enjoying so
1: yeah the recommendation is just something that you're really enjoying so if people can't necessarily watch the hbo show they might be able to pick up the book yep i this is one i would not read no and i don't want to watch it i did watch the first two episodes but i was working on other stuff while you were watching it so i could kind of like watch with one eye (laughs) (laughs) but it's too scary for me yeah
0: you were getting a little creeped out
1: and i don't even think it was at the scariest parts yet no so too too scary for me But if your tolerance matches, Curtis, then go for it. Mm -hmm.
0: How about your recommendation for this week?
1: I've been getting into ASMR rooms on YouTube.
0: What does ASMR stand for? I forget. Time to look it up.
1: I looked it up the other day, but I forget. Um, Autonomous Sensory Meridian Response.
0: It's very long-winded.
1: It's... That is the tingling that you get at the back of your scalp and neck that's, like, pleasant, and it's associated with, like, a a good noise or sensation or something. So, like, the opposite of when you touch foam. (laughs) I hate foam so much. So, ASMR videos, well, the videos themselves are, like, Some people just talk into a microphone or some people will like make their coffee right by a microphone. That's not the stuff that I'm talking about right now. I'm talking about ASMR rooms. So Miracle Forest is a really good creator and my current favorite is the Magical Tea Room. So the sound part of it is tea noises like clinking spoons, pouring tea, some like hushed tones of conversation in the background. And then the pretty image is like teacups and a tea kettle in this like magical looking environment. There are a ton of Harry Potter ones. Like I get annoyed because you search ASMR rooms and all it is is Harry Potter. (laughs) If you love Harry Potter, great. But um, Miracle Forest has some other ones. Like there's a really good library one, like a room in a castle. There's a different creator and I've, that I've been looking at and there's like a really good coffee shop one. So it's just for me, it's for background noise because I've been working from home. And when I'm doing freelance writing, it helps me to have some sound on but i can't really listen to music and i can't have tv on something that's too distracting so either i have an asmr room or gilmore girls in the background (laughs) gilmore girls is like asmr for me
0: that makes sense i mean there's coffee noises yeah kind of like tea noises and
1: chatter yeah so that's my recommendation miracle forest and Uh, We'll put links to those recommendations in addition to all of the books in the show notes. You can find those at hereadsheread.org. All
0: right. That's all the time we have for you today. A reminder that our upcoming buddy read, which we've discussed earlier, is The Duchess Deal by Tessa Dare. For news and announcements, you can connect with us via social media or email. We're on Twitter and Instagram at hereadsheread, or you can email us hereadshereadpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find show notes at hirachi.red.org read, under podcast.
1: Thank you so much, Libro FM, for sponsoring this episode. And thank you all for listening. And remember, the couple that reads together.
0: Doesn't matter if it's 10 years later, we'll correct you on your grammar.
1: It's your curb <laughs> I
0: guess I had that coming. <laughs>